Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorne, action movie screenwriter. And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster. And together we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere. Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre. So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard. Ooh, very nice. Then Die Hard on a Blank is for you. Yes, you personally. Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, drop December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now we have a podcast. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Hello, everybody. I just wanted to give you a little context on this month's bonus episode. Um, We got an email or actually an Instagram message from a listener who said they liked the show and they wanted us to talk more about films we loved. And we were really excited to do this. Uh, We tend to be hyper-focused on the films that we happen to be discussing or the artist or character. And so to have the opportunity to talk about something else was really exciting. So if you want to hear us do this on another topic, please do send us a message via Instagram, Uverbusters, Twitter, Uverbusters, uh, get in our DMs, or you can email us at Uverbusters at gmail.com. We'd love to do some episodes based on what our listeners would like to hear about. So please reach out. Uh, We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Thanks. Bye. Three, let's clap. One, or snap. One, two, three. You're way off. Okay, good. I'll figure it out. No, I'm not. Um, You're way off. Yeah, it's super way off. It's super way off. I'm it's a time Liam difference. Millingham. I'm George Vergopoulos. Uh, and this is... A special episode. Of Oeuvre Busters Mailbag, Mailbag How's it going, George? Good. How are you? How's the... You, we sh- How's the worst coast treating you? Oh, nice one, you fucking dick. Fucking um, take that, it's California. Good. It's, I, I was outside at... um. 11.45 this morning, and it was probably 72 degrees. How's fuck the weather in New York? you. Fuck you. It's great. It hit 35 today. Oh, man. You're really winning, huh? So uh, we, we interrupt your regularly scheduled program because we got a message from a, a listener. Not Keith. On, on Instagram. Another listener. Named Knish X. Knish X, I think is how I'm saying it. And he uh, loves the show, <laughs> of course. Who doesn't? Um, because our fans have great taste and he asked for recommendations about movies um because he uh because he watched Loves the Nuri Bilce Chelan films that I recommended um which I don't I think you've seen Wild Pear Tree but you haven't seen the others so he wanted no, more I recommendations saw, is it Climates? Climates oh Climates is very good I saw Climates yeah I love climates. Um, so he asked for more recommendations, and I thought we don't actually, I don't know if we've talked about this much, but we haven't, besides shitting on recent blockbusters, we don't talk a lot about other movies that have come out this year. We're a very negative podcast. Or in podcast. general, we don't talk a lot about other movies. Yeah, we're, ne- we're a very negative podcast. We're we so, only and we talk also about don't things talk that about, we hate. And we only talk about things that we, um, that we're ta- like talking about in the context of, um, excuse me, I'm going to drink a little coffee. 
that's great podcasting <laughs> we're, oh, it's really Content. good podcasting um we only talk about things in the context of other stuff we're talking about so i thought it'd be fun to do a little bonus where we talk about movies we love or movies we recommend and i thought it might be good to take a autobiographical approach Ooh. to this so i know george you want to think about it a little bit Deep so cuts. i'll go first but i did want to ask is there a movie that made you love movies yes there is what was it 2001 a space odyssey how old were you when you I saw, saw it? I saw it when I was in seventh grade. How old Where? is what? So seventh grade for me, I was uh, 16. Got left behind a couple of uh, years. Wait, did you really? No, of course not. I'm just fucking oh, kidding. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, shouldn't you have been 12? I saw it in seventh grade. And it was, Where? Re- it was recommended to me by my science teacher. And I remember. So he Who showed Stanley Kubrick. He showed it was Stanley Kubrick. He showed us. He flew back to New York. He would fly to New York to teach us. And then he'd fly back to London. And he showed us the first 15 minutes, The Birth of Man. That was a joke. The that Dawn of Man. Yes, of course, of course. Story. He showed you The Dawn of Man. He showed us The Dawn of Man. And I was like, wow, this is kind of interesting. And he recommended the film. And then like a day or two later, I went to my video store. I rented it on VHS, of course. What video store was it? Yeah, I don't remember the name, but it was like a block or two away from my place. Um, it was in Astoria. In Astoria, yeah. And I saw it. And I distinctly remember seeing it in my parents' bedroom. And they had like this huge mirror in their bedroom. And then after the film was over, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and like literally my jaw had dropped. <laughs> and I was like, what wow. the fuck did I just see? Yeah, that's a pretty and rem- mind-blowing movie. Yeah, and I just remember thinking like this is something completely and utterly exceptional and I don't have the language to speak about it properly, but it was life-altering. Yeah, it's one of the one of the great movies where like there really aren't words for it, which is what makes it a movie. Yeah, exactly. And also really influential, I think. Or I remember uh, Scorsese said that it's like a very amazing or powerful, at least obviously the final image. It's a very uh, spiritual film. Really? Interesting. I've never thought about it as spiritual before. Yeah, it's all about death and rebirth. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I saw it um, probably not in seventh grade. I saw it. I think I saw it. uh, I think I mostly got my Kubricks in high school. Um, but the movie that made me, I've talked about this, the movie that made me love movies and want to make movies was 1989's Batman. Ooh, which we discussed. Directed by Tim Burton, which we're talking about right now. How appropriate. Um, I saw that movie and all I did was talk about it for like, for months, years. I started to watch all bunch of movies. Um, I think that would have been 1989 and then... You know, growing up in the suburbs, I, you know, you don't have as much access to kind of foreign film. And I, I'm jealous of people that grew up in the city's city because I wonder if maybe things would be different, though. I know that that's like a little bit of a cliche, but I remember in 1994, my sister's renting Pulp Fiction and me yeah. uh, not watching it that time, but watching it pretty soon after, like. 1994 I would have been 12 so I don't think my parents my parents probably were like let's watch this when Liam goes to bed but um that blew my mind I also was one of those guys with a dad that was want was a lawyer that wanted to be an artist so I saw the godfather when I was nine I saw I see he showed me the longest day he showed me 
We, he'd never seen Taxi Driver, but he rented it. Are we supposed to just name 20 films? Is that what we're trying to do? Yeah, this is what we're doing. No. <laughs> so, like, all that kind of stuff. And I loved I, I kind of, I think I saw things too young. I saw Pulp Fiction. I became obsessed with it. I wasn't allowed to watch Reservoir Dogs. I bought a VHS tape of it anyways. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Brazil and high, Brazil and college kind of blew my mind. Passion of Joan of Arc by uh, Carl Theodore Dreher blew my mind. And then I moved to the Czech Republic and started watching Czech New Wave movies. Of course, as everybody does. That's what everybody does. And then I think Eastern European cinema, Romanian New Wave, so Police Adjective, um, Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days, Beyond the Hills. Well, that was much newer, but I kind of got really immersed in that stuff, which led me to Chantal Ackerman. Um, and I started watching her movies. I saw some Hanukkah films in college. Yeah. So like, and then when I decided to go to film school, it was for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I moved to New York and went and saw the dark Knight and was reminded like, holy shit, I love movies. I want to make movies. So I started making them again. And, uh, Chantal Ackerman was teaching at city college at the time. So I decided to apply to that program. And, uh, yeah. So for me, it's like a lot of Chantal Ackerman, my favorite films a lot of i love quentin tarantino of course i love his new movie big recommendations you got to see jean dielman um you've got to see police adjective you've got to see that's a great film um anything by the modern romanian guys christy puyu cornel porambuyu i'll put all this stuff in the notes um and I really love the films of Dushan Makaveyev, who's a Yugoslav filmmaker. Is everyone bored? Is everyone bored? I, th- I think I think we're almost done with this episode. Yeah. Just <laughs> and then Robert Green, documentarian, who's really really wonderful. Um, Celine Siama, whose new film Portrait of a Lady on Fire blew my fucking mind. You should see Bellatar. Bellatar. Bellatar is yeah. maybe the greatest living filmmaker. Um, now that Chantal has left us. And this is a pretty obvious one, but if you have not seen Joshua Oppenheimer's films, you owe it to yourself. And Claude Lanzmann. Wow, yeah. that's a really dark list. That's quite I a syllabus. I also like funny things. I like funny things. Well, you're a big you, George? Adam Sandler guy. I do like Adam Sandler. What? I think, Uncut Gems. I think you... Uh, well, I mean, I meant like the earlier stuff, like the Billy Madisons and the... The Waterboys. The Cut water his boys. fucking head off. And the Little Nickies of the world. Little Nickies of the world. Hang on. I have a, I have a shelf right here of movies. Oh, Kelly Reichardt's really important to me. I mean, um, is she though? Yes, fuck you. Uh, Roberto Rossellini, really important to me. Vittoria De Sica, Bicycle Thieves. I'm a cliche. I love that movie. Um... Who directed Battle of Algiers? I don't know, but Ponte that's a great Corvo, film. Ponte Corvo. You, you don't know that film? No, no. It's a great film. Yeah, Ponte Corvo. Um, and then I think one that we've under-discussed is uh, uh, Fassbender. Oh, Love yeah. Love yeah. Fassbender. Very, I'm- very important filmmaker to me. Um, and Milos Forman. I have not said his name, but um, Milos Forman's early Czech films, Lasky Jedni Plivovaske, which is Loves of a Blonde, and Horjima Panenko, which is uh, Fireman's Ball, arguably changed my life forever. Yeah, good times. Go for it. How about you? I mean, geez, what a list. I thought we were just going to go like film by film. Um, I, just a couple, I changed it up. Just I a cou- changed it up. Just a couple of the films that, uh, that off the top of my head have kind of like, again, b- been really um, life-changing to me. So yes, Pulp Fiction. Which I saw where in that wow that ninety four it feels like it's a little bit 94? later than that I mean like earlier actually um, 
But yeah, can that, I ask you a question? That film was amazing. Yes, play Zoo. What are your top Quentin Tarantino movies? Oof, that's a good question. Um, not to dwell on QT. I would too say much, but I would say probably just being put on the spot. I'm okay. I'm just gonna name my t- my favorite three, but not in any sort of any particular that's order. Fine. Say Inglorious, mm-hmm. Jackie Brown, mm-hmm. and maybe the latest one, Once Upon a Time. Yeah, I think for me it's Inglorious Bastards. Um, holy shit, it might be Inglorious Bastards, Jackie Brown, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. I really love Reservoir Dogs. That's what the I think consensus that that is. Also, talk about a movie that changes your life. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a very long time since I've seen Pulp Fiction. I want to go back and see it and and yeah, it's good. Figure out if it still holds up. But it, but it has been a while since I've seen it. But that film was like okay. Um, life-altering goodfellas yeah. by scorsese Sorry, pulp fiction goodfellas okay boring Good, goodfellas great, great amazing movie. do you think it's better than the godfather mm, is it better than the godfather i mean it's certainly different of course I like it more. you like it more yes Th- that's a that's a film where regardless of when i come across it if i see it like on a plane or if i turn on the tv and it's playing like i have to watch like a half hour 45 minutes yeah of it. totally it's just so, yep, I, I hear that it's so i don't know man it's like fucking it's it's seductive in a, in a, in a certain yeah. way. Um, Raging Bull, which is another very important Scorsese film for me. Taxi Driver, which you already mentioned, is also kind of an amazing film. Oh my I god! Can we get re- something that everybody hasn't already seen? <laughs> I remember being. I'm getting there. I remember also being drawn you. to Taxi Driver because it was Scorsese was inspired by Dostoevsky's Notes from the Underground. Or notes from underground. It wasn't really. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it was, or at least Schrader. Sorry, maybe Schrader was the one that was inspired by it, and in the that writing makes of the sense. screenplay. I think they both could. Yeah. yeah. The films of uh, my countryman Theo Angelopoulos have been. What's your have, favorite? Th- see, this is good. This is very good. I yeah. forgot Theo. Yeah, and you know, I haven't really seen a lot of his films, but I would say that if you can make it through, and at times it's it's a bit of a chore, but Ulysses Gaze is a film was. Uh, and there's there's it's a number a hard of his film to find. yeah it's a hard film to find as as all of his films unfortunately are, but mm-hmm. he's an important one. Eter- and t- a, um, Eternity in a Day is kind of the his like mainstream film which he won the Palme d'Or for. Is that the one with Bruno Gans and the Albanian it, kid? It is yeah, and he plays a, a dying yeah that's a poet. good movie. It's an amazing movie. It's a beautiful film. I mean, all um, of his films I are beautiful. One of my quintessential New York City. Uh, experiences uh, while I lived there, rip my life in New York City, was going on a Sunday to the Museum of the Moving Image in Astoria, Queens. What, what? What, what, represent? And watching the four-hour Traveling Players, which is a um, a total, maybe, maybe the most, maybe the most, like, that was probably of the, of the decade. I, I saw a lot of movies that were important to me in the past, let's say, decade but i think that was the most important movie going experience of my of my 2010s yeah you saw that with our friend fennis right i did i saw yeah. it with, i saw it with our friend fennis and that's an angelopolis film that i have not seen but i'm dying to see but again they you can't a, fucking they, get his I films it, anywhere i got it at uh the astoria um boulevard library in queens once very excited on vhs brought it home put it in my player it was pal formatted oh god yeah those motherfuckers that run that got a copy from greece and were like we all have pal players this should be fine it was it was irish american erasure i was very upset what else (laughs) so you i think you already mentioned we already talked about kubrick but kubrick is very important to me as well 
um, his body of work is kind of. I remember, like growing up, at some point, I thought I was going to make films, and it was like that's the kind of director that I wanted to be. I wanted to be. Yeah. And yeah. they were some of the first films that I saw that I pre- that I thought like this is what the art can do, and that it is an art. Mm-hmm. So he's a mainstay. As far as his films go, I mean, pretty much everything is kind of like would recommend everything. Do you have a favorite? Uh, two thousand and one. Oh, interesting. Pass the glory for me. But also, I mean, the other films that I think don't get talked enough about, like Barry Lyndon is fucking fantastic. Very good. Um, Obviously, like people talk about Clockwork, they talk about Dr. Strangelove, but even like Lolita is amazing. Do you remember what was the first movie you saw like at a rep screening? Like the first movie you went and saw that wasn't like a new release in the movie theater? Because I feel like that's a very specific thing. Oh, man, that's a good question. I do remember being very excited for the Star Wars re-releases. The special oh editions. <laughs> okay, but like maybe an interesting answer to this question. Maybe would be Battleship good? Potemkin. Jesus. Oh, where'd you see that? At the MoMA, and it was fucking awesome. Wow. It's like twenty wow. years old. And I was like, this. I've heard important things. I've heard that this film is important. I got to go see it, and I did, and it was fucking amazing. When I was maybe thirteen, this doesn't count as a rep screening, but um, in my small conservative Republican town of Massachusetts, the local history teacher uh, hosted. Um, in the summer screenings of Kurosawa movies. Right, yes. At at um at the library and I went to see f- I had a copy of um Seven Samurai and I'd seen it like on the TV a few times. I was probably I was in high school. Um maybe maybe about to go to college and I went to the screening. It was my first like intellectual event, you know, like the first time you like go to a thing where like a group of people are gathering to like watch something. And I remember being like very intimidated and not saying anything because I because there was like a discussion after the film. And uh, as he was leaving, I like approached him and talked to and this was a history teacher from high school. It wasn't like Akira Kurosawa was there, but I was just so anxious. And I talked about uh, how there's so many shots in Seven Samurai towards the end that it's very clear Spielberg is referencing in Saving Private Ryan. And he'd never thought of that. And I felt very That's smart. That's an interesting point. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, so, you yeah, are very uh, smart, is you a good are. one, too. Kurosawa is really important. Um, Ra- I remember seeing Rashomon when I was very young and it kind of blew me away. Seven that Samurai is amazing. That film is so disturbing. Rashomon is so disturbing. Ron's Ron great. is also great. Uh, I saw that in, at Kingler. BAM in Brooklyn. King Lear adaptation. Mm-hmm. So, I also, and this is kind of fairly recently, but I've also been getting into Claire Denis, and I'm really glad yes. I have. Really important filmmaker. Great filmmaker. Um, remember we saw, was it? I can never pronounce it. Boy Travail, together. Yes, we saw that yeah. together on a date. On a date in at Bam again during the Claire Denis yes. retrospective, and that film was fucking amazing. I highly recommend that. Is film that the as only well. one we went to see? I think so, yeah. Is that the only one we and went then, to see? Do we go to others? Uh, cl- regardless, yeah. Claire Denis is very good. I saw High Life with our Pats and Claire. Um, they invited me for that Your screening. Yeah, it was, it was it was nice. It was cool. It was cool to catch up with our Pats. I was like, hey, how's it going with They're the Batman? They're doing another stuff? movie like, together. Oh, yeah, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would a Claire Denis Batman film look like? That'd be fucking amazing. Oh my amazing. God, it'd be so homoerotic. It would be amazing. <laughs> It'd be like if Kel Karpinski got to write and direct Batman. It would oh, be amazing. If, if only. Um, we, we should give Kel uh, a Batman movie to make. That would be great. Kel, Warner Brothers, Kel get on it. A Batman movie. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Um, yeah, I think that that's, is, uh, that, that's, that's, a, that's a really good one. Claire Denis. I don't know Claire Denis as well. We've talked about doing her on the pod. Oh, um, very obvious one that I should have mentioned and every dude will say, Michael 
fucking man. Oh, Michael God, Mann is go. very, very, very important to me. It's not that I don't um, like Michael Mann. It's just that you are so in love with Michael Mann. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of painful. Makes, it, he just like pops off masterpiece after masterpiece. It's Miami painful. Vice, what up? It's painful to listen to you talk about another man that you love in front of my presence. And, and especially a man named Man. Oh, um, Ordet and the film Silent Light. Ordet is directed by Carl Theodore Dreher. And Ordet is directed by... I mean, no, I'm sorry. Ordet is directed by Carl Theodore Dreher. And Silent Light Bergman, is directed... Right? No, it is not. Oh, Bergman. That's a good one. Um, I've only seen Persona, Silent Light I is think. directed by Carlos... Oh my God! Amazing, uh, Carlos Regadas, who's a, a Mexican filmmaker, directed um, *Silent Light*, which is about um, Mennonites. Oh, and it's really, 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 really great. And the reason I mention them together is that that film *Ordet* is a big um, reference point for um, *Silent Light*, and you got it's worth watching them together. Is the Bergman uh, film so called *Winter Light*? Winterlight, yeah. Ber- Winterlight, I, the right. Berg- I don't know Bergman as well. I, every Bergman film I've seen, I've loved Persona being my top tier. But uh, yeah, if you haven't seen Bergman films, um, I highly, highly recommend that. Or that was the highly. film that changed uh, Theo Angelopoulos' life. He said that he saw that and he walked out of the movie theater and he thought to himself, that's what I need to do. Wow, really? I didn't know that. God, this yeah. is somebody... Hey, I don't know if Criterion listens to this show but the lack of ability to find theo angelopoulos is very 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 upsetting buy his shit and release it please george um i don't want to be a uh you know call you out here but i feel like you have not mentioned someone that i'm shocked you haven't mess- mentioned kioslowski oh he's good uh he's good <laughs> he's, he's, good. Good. he's okay um no <laughs> Red, white, uh, and an Italian blue filmmaker oh fellini oh no pasolini of course no. My- my boy Pasolini, my boy Paz, it's like to call him. You and your buddy Paz, your favorite P- gay Marxist Catholic. Pierre Paz, he's fucking amazing. Um, What's, if you had to choose one Pierre Paolo Pasolini movie to, to um, I'd say the Gospel to according to Saint Matthew. I find that really hard to watch, man. I find it so boring. Ugh, because no, because and wrong. I was talking about this because I'm watching his one of his other films now. But the the this the I know that this is like basic as fuck, but. It's hard to watch some of these movies that are redubbed or the, a lot of the recording happens in post, which is interesting because a lot of Bellatar's films are completely, all the sound is done in post, including it, they're entirely ADR and it doesn't bother me as much, maybe because the technology is a little more advanced, but like, man, it's hard to watch some of those, his the, tr- those early. His films. trilogy of life is amazing as well, uh, where he does the Decameron, the Canterbury Tales and the Arabian Nights. I'd also highly recommend the Hawks and the Sparrows, which is fucking hilarious. Mm, and that's interesting. I think Teorama is pretty funny. Teorama, uh, I what what about it's funny? Well, remember the scene where the kid starts to paint, and he's painting like a portrait or from the book, and he <laughs> he's like very focused on painting, and then he stops and he looks at it, and there's a wide shot, and he falls over laughing, and he's like, "Oh my god, I'm so pathetic. oh yes, like it's so yeah, yeah, goddamn okay. funny, it's so funny." <laughs> um, but that's a great film only... too. Yeah, so far I I got a little more ways to go. Um. It's a weird, it's a weird movie. Makes me think a lot of another filmmaker I love, a, a contemporary Greek filmmaker, Yorgos Lanthimos. Very interesting point. Yeah, very interesting Whose connection. film, Killing of a Sacred Deer, uh, I think is really under, I mean, it's bizarre and I get why most people don't like it or have not seen it, but 
a lot. I feel like he and Pasolini have a little bit in common, particularly Teo Rama and uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. But oh, Yorgos Lanthimos, he's a little more mainstream now because he did the favorite. Oh, he's so mainstream, just like Spielberg. But he he <laughs> he's like the Spielberg of Greeks. Um, but uh, his film, um, his films. I mean, I think my favorite is probably. I really like Dogtooth. But what's the one? The lobster. I love the lobster. Lobster's great. Yeah, I like the favorite, but I don't know if I like it as much as some of those other ones. There's another really interesting contemporary filmmaker um, who doesn't really get talked about en- enough, and her name is uh, Athena Rachel Tsangadi. Mm. And she made this yeah, she's really interesting film called Attenberg, which I highly recommend. Is that the one with the women doing the like yes. the, the length? Yes, yep. it's a great movie. That was on um, the Criterion Collection until very recently, maybe when it was still filmstruck. And it's really bizarre and wonderfully surreal, and you could tell how there's kind of a shared aesthetic between her and Lanthimos, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they're friends. Um, well, they work together, I think. I believe so, yeah. But it's an amazing film, and it's um, she's an interesting filmmaker as well who should have more attention. I think, yeah, it's an interesting case of... Uh, he kind of catapulted to this um, kind of mainstream a little bit. I feel like a little bit like he kind of, you know, and her career hasn't really gone in that direction. But I do believe she produ- he produced one film of hers and they've worked together before. And that also um, reminds me, too, yeah, that Attenberg, she's he in... he was the producer. He produced Attenberg. She's in also um, the, the the final or the third um, Richard Linklater before movie. She has like a no, small she, oh, role. Oh, that's right. She is, right. And I would Which also I highly liked, recommend. I like pretty good. Even though I know I know Liam's not a big fan, but that trilogy to me is also amazing. The I like trilogy. those movies. I don't. They don't hold up. They they don't they don't do it for me as much. Oh, um, this one is you're a not little a romantic more... like I am. People know the people know this filmmaker, but I think he's worth mentioning. He's important to me. Uh, Lars von Trier. Because I, I've heard college, of Lars. Yeah, I drove uh, from New Hampshire to Boston to see. Um, Dogville and I was I went to the Harvard it was like definitely an early kind of mind-blowing movie because when I was in college I was you know doing theater and reading Brecht and then I went and saw Dogville and I was like holy shit blew my mind loved it have less of a um, easy connection to Lars von Trier than I used to because uh, you know he's his movies have gotten uh, a little trolly and and quite frankly bad but uh, he has a run there from like the dancer, well, maybe breaking the waves on to to Antichrist. That's pretty unbelievable. And we had talked about Antichrist on Annie Ma- Annie Rose Malamud's girl podcast, Girl Guts Girls Guts Jallo. All I've right, listened. It's a great episode. Have yeah. we have we talked enough? I think we've covered enough of the history of cinema to yeah to say the that this history, is a wrap. The, the history, history of, of cinema. cinema. Wait, hang on. I I got all these DVDs up there. I can't oh God, see. It's, oh, it's okay. Oh my you don't God. have to keep a list of um, things. <laughs> Uh, one more, one more, one more. Abbas Kiarostami. Yes. Okay, great. Yes. And I bring this up because do you have my copy of The Wind Will Carry Us? No. You've asked fuck. me this before. I don't. By the way, Coco Trilogy, it? get the fuck out of here. Am I right? No. Wind Will Carry Us, baby. The Wind Will Carry Us is amazing as well, but yeah, it's for me, it's, it's the Coco Trilogy. Uh, they're all great. He, Coker he, or Joker? He's amazing. I prefer Coker to Joker, but that's I just like- me. That's just you. Everyone has a different opinion. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's let's end this. Um, so I hope that's a good Nish X. I hope that's a good list of. Uh, I hope any of that made sense. I think we only mentioned 125 films. Well, hopefully there's enough to get started there, for you. Um, to get your ball, to get to get your ball. Trying to think if there's anybody else whose whose films. I think we, we've given him. Are there other enough. filmmakers? No, Has that's anyone it. Anyone else ever made Michael Bay? 
films. Okay, I just want to do this real quick. Transformers She doesn't get the love she deserves. Kelly Reichardt. Kelly Reichardt. Kelly Reichardt. Kelly Reichardt. All right, I'm walking away. Meek's cut off. Meek's cut off. Amazing. Goodbye. Masterpiece. Okay. This was. Have you ever heard of Paul Thomas Anderson? (laughs) Okay, talk to you later. I am George Fragopoulos. I'm Liam Billingham. And this was a very special episode of Oof Robusters. Bye. Bye. Bye.